0: This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston-area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization. This is Leadership in Action. I am excited to introduce today's guest, all the things to say about him. He's a a strategist. He's a strategist. I almost said strategist. He's a strategist, a visionary, a coach, a facilitator to the stars, um, international executive business coach. He's had uh, several successful exits as an entrepreneur and business leader, um, a certified scaling up coach, a keynote speaker, meeting with groups virtually and in person, depending on what season it is. Um, at one point, 150 business leaders in a room just to hear this one man. And I'm excited that I get to hear from him today and ask him questions business growth advisor and certified scaling up coach at Aspire Growth Advisors. Herb Cagliano, welcome to the show, sir.
1: Wow. Thank you, Casey. And welcome to all the fans and listeners out there in EO. Um, I have to tell you though, if it wasn't for EO, I would not be here today. Really? Because Scaling Up was created by Vern Harnish, the author of the book, who happens to be the founder of EO. So wow. if not for Vern in founding EO, He wouldn't have went on to write the book Scaling Up, which as a fellow entrepreneur like all of you, really helped chart my growth and path for success in building a company, which as we know, can be challenging sometimes. For us yeah so thank you and and welcome um, to all of you who are listening and it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, right on, man. Uh, you brought up we'll get back to that talk about Vern and um, and I mentioned before the show I'd had a chance to to meet him and so we'll 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 circle back around to the small world that is eO in just a little bit. but before we get started uh, with any of that, I want to pass the baton to you and ask you the great question from this show, which is, Uh, smash for us some kind of misconception, myth, bogus strategy about leading a company and being an entrepreneur?
1: You know, it's interesting because a lot of people think it's hard to start a company Mm. and it is, but I think what's even harder is to scale up your existing company. And let me give scale. you an example. There's over 11,000 new companies that start every hour around the world. There's no shortage of startups. But many of you may not know that only one half of 1% of our companies, 28 million in the United States, ever scale to 10 million or more in revenue in a single year. Wait, wait, wait. What's, what
0: was that number? That's one out of?
1: One half of 1% of 28 million companies in this country. Ever make it to 10 million or more in revenue per year. What's even more alarming, only 4% of 28 million ever make it over 1 million a year in top line revenue. So you're in rare air when you and your leadership team can navigate those complexities and challenges with the different stages of growth and make it to the next level. That to me was truly alarming. But when I thought about it running our companies for years, I actually felt that complexity in challenge of breaking through to that next level of growth.
0: Interesting. You know, I, I'd been aware of, of the rarity, you know, or so people say, and I think we're, we're kind of all entrepreneurs, we're, we're a little bit reticent to even accept praise or whatnot, but the the rarity of, of growing past a million and, you know, if you're in EO, then qualifying for that. Um, but, but what I'm surprised about is that first number, the one half of 1%, half a percent 28 million. I kind of my brain wants to do the calculator on my laptop right now, but that's a that's a real small percent of everyone that actually scales up. So it's hard to get to that one million. And I've even experienced this that it's not like it's just you know you just keep adding millions because at certain points you get these ceilings of complexity and it gets way harder. You need an executive team and you didn't need one before and I need middle managers as. So you know, it, why, why do people not, or we're not aware of the stats. It's just, sure. we just don't know.
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, you think of when you start your business, you find something you're passionate about, something you're good at. Right. And then ultimately something clients want. Right. And I call it the growth paradox. You get in the business for the right reason, but then as the business grows, you're adding more employees, you're adding more customers, you're adding more products, more locations. Next thing you know, what you started out wanting to do is not the job you get to do.
0: Yeah, and it true.
1: becomes wind in your back to, oh, my God, I'm drowning in quicksand and I'm carrying the weight of the world. And it's not yeah. fun when that happens. So there's three barriers that most leaders have to encounter to get through some of these stages. The first one, leadership. Does your company have enough leadership bandwidth to navigate the current and next level? Have you developed enough people underneath the owner that can delegate, that can predict? and that can repeat and carry on the things and values of your companies to be successful. Number two, scalable infrastructure. So think of the physical and organizational infrastructure of adding people, locations, clients, services, and how do you integrate them so that you can all collaborate communicate and make appropriate decisions up and down this more complex chain of command. The third one is market dynamics. We maybe enter the industry when things are going really well, and we keep doing what we do, and then market dynamics change. And we don't make the necessary adjustments or pivots to navigate the change. And then we become commoditized, or the market shifts and our margins erode, and we're in trouble. Hmm. So those three things are really critical. And a lot of people don't see it until it's too late. And we want to help you get ahead of it. So when you do navigate it, because you will, you'll navigate it more successfully.
0: You know, it's a great, it's a great point around change I think I was in a I was an EO presentation yesterday, and there's a famous quote. I can't remember who said it, but it was that it's not the smartest people that succeed; it's the people that can make the changes um, and adapt. Those are the ones that survive. Um, is your ability to change and not you know it worked once, and it, it, you get stuck in a pattern, and that's how you work yourself out of the marketplace. Um, that's a it's a great point. Um, leadership too. Quick question on leadership. Do you do you have? I mean, the leadership probably needs to change and evolve. So, are, is there a starter pack? for uh, for for leadership or- Who's the first exec you hire? And then how does that evolve over time?
1: So let me just maybe approach that from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Most people think scaling up is about growing your company, but what it really is about growing leaders that grow your company. Yeah. And so the minute you take responsibility as an owner in a senior team for developing as a group together, you'll be able to combat the things that trap you. And let's face it in life, it's what we don't know that hurts us, correct? Mm-hmm. So when we look at the scaling up methodology and the, the journey that I personally went through as an entrepreneur, within scaling up alone, it's not just Vern's IP. He references 40 different other thought leaders that he integrates with us to help us in those various uh, areas of learning, whether it's sales, marketing, people issues, strategy issues, cash issues, execution issues, all important, but it's that continuous drive to learn and expand upon where you are to be ready for where you want to go. And that's really the key to developing leaders. And when companies Get uh stuck, they normally stop learning and growing from within. They get comfortable. And have you ever heard the term, are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? And a lot of companies get comfortable and they're not playing to win anymore. They're just playing to keep what they have. And that's when you get in
0: trouble. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, you know, that's that's the quote, right? Are you playing to win? Like if, if you were to mic drop that, you know, just do your mic drop there. Like that. Are you playing to win or are you playing are you trying to avoid pain? And that's not the way to grow. That, that's that scarcity mindset that yeah. is going to just hold you down when you're trying to, if you're, you're not even going to try to expand, you're going to expand to like a little fishbowl when you really need to be breaking out of the fishbowl. So
1: you know what happens to a lot of us leaders, you've been running your company 10, 20, 30 years, and you're maybe thinking about what's the next phase of my personal or professional life. And what I find is what helps the owners during that time is two major decisions we need to make. One is your timeline for exit. And the other one is your succession plan. And they're both separate issues. Every owner will have an exit. It's just a question of how and when. And do you want to write your last chapter or do you want circumstances to write it for you? Mm. And that normally leads to succession planning. So when you're developing these leaders within your company over time, when you're ready for that next phase or appropriate exit, regardless of what it is in ESOP and outright buy, whatever, you'll have other leaders developing that are constantly playing to win that next generation. So your business overall doesn't skip a beat and you're able to get out of it both things, a great legacy and transition and the great exit based upon what you desire. But they're both very important and they both have to be addressed early not
0: in the final year. Yeah. Key point there. Everyone has an exit. i would never <laughs> thought of it that way. I think a lot of our circles, we only think about the exit being the acquisition, but most businesses do have an exit, but it's out, you know, exit stage, right. Uh, Cause you're closing down or, uh, or something else is happening. Um, maybe hopefully you're transitioning into someone else, but everyone is going to exit that business one way or the other. The question, I love that the question is, are you writing that chapter or someone else and that brings brings up the, the idea of being intentional about that exit, not just planning for a successful acquisition, but planning for a, well, I guess not planning to lose, but planning to win. Back to that other quote. So yeah. Are there... Do you have real quick leadership market dynamics? What was the uh, the other one?
1: Scalable infrastructure.
0: And is that the tech side or is that
1: no? Just think of physical and organizational. So physically, I don't know about you, but you're starting your company. You have all these. You have an accounting system. You have a marketing system. You have a sales system. You have a production system. And next thing you know, you grew all these different systems all over the map, but none of them are integrated. They're very inefficient. Nobody's really documented where and how to use or train. It was okay at five employees, you were chief cook and bottle washer, but now I have 50 and they're not really smooth, but I want to go to 150 in the next 24 months. And it's going to be real clunky and expensive. So you're navigating those physical things along with the numbers of new clients, new products, new locations. And then the org structure, it used to be great when I can go into one office, reach the 25 people that work with me in one day, one location, command and control, communicate. But now I have people working in four different countries and 100 people on three different time zones. And how do we make decisions? How do we communicate and keep everybody up to date? And that gets really complex. And then you, what happens? happens is, Casey, they form silos.
0: Mm, No one knows. The right
1: hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. Biggest complaint I hear from employees, nobody tells me what's going on.
0: God, I hate that. Sounds terrible. I don't want any of my team ever saying that.
1: We went through it as we were growing, You know, as you can appreciate, to hundreds of people. But the fact is we have methods to help get through that. And that's what we learn. And that's what we try and help others with. Um, There's four decisions that I find when you're going through complexity. If you can teach your team how to make better decisions regarding people, strategy, execution, and cash, you have a greater chance of navigating that next level. What do I mean by that? If you have a lot of drama going on in your company, whether it's with an employee, a client, a supplier, or another shareholder, we have tools that help people formulate, develop, and make better people decisions. Because the better people decisions I've found we've made, the less drama I have around me. And we look at core value alignment, core purpose, productivity alignment, as well as coaching and development understanding. Those are all essential elements of good people decisions, and we help do that. Strategy, if your top line is not growing, and more importantly, growing at least at the rate of your industry, and hopefully scaling up companies, double industry growth rate, then we need to help you make better strategy decisions. And we work with tools that help you consider pivots and positioning to do that. And have you ever met the owner that worked really, really hard 80, hundred hours a week, but made little to no money. Mm-hmm. Even if you're growing top line execution decisions, make sure you're running efficiently and leading a healthy balanced lifestyle, which I struggled with in the beginning. I had young children. I wanted to be around on the weekends and occasionally for dinner at night. I couldn't do it in the beginning. Better execution decisions and tools helped us do that. And then finally, cash. A lot of people think of cash as, you know what, if I'm in trouble, I need to make payroll, pay my loan. That's important. Don't get me wrong. But having enough cash, what's really interesting is that am I able to take advantage of opportunities? A longtime competitor is finally available for sale, it would be great synergy, I don't have money to buy them. Or a key executive just came on the market that would really round out my leadership team, I can't afford to pay them. If we can work on those cash decisions, not only for keeping the lights on, but more importantly, taking advantage of these limited once in a lifetime opportunities, you're going to be in a better position for growth. And we work through
0: that is a team. Is there a first step because there's a lot of challenges, right? <laughs> how, yeah how do you how do you how do you prioritize?
1: So one of the things that we've been very fortunate is we've developed a scaling up assessment, which is a diagnostic that the senior team takes to help assess internally where their current biggest gaps are to scaling up. And they break it out by those four key areas that we talked about, the people strategy, execution, and cash. It produces a 30-page comprehensive report. And the report also compares you to industry type, company year in history type, um, number a uh, percent of growth rate type. And it really gives you a three-dimensional look on where do we sit with the people around us? And more importantly, where do we start inside the company to make improvements?
0: Gotcha. Hmm. There, there's, a, there's a lot of fish to fry. <laughs> there's a <laughs> There's a lot of things going on, right? It's, uh, there's, there's a lot to juggle in our positions.
1: You know what? There is. But I think what was very empowering for me as a CEO is that the framework gives you the structure about when and how to make the decisions, Mm -hmm. So if we look at that assessment and you're like my lowest score area out of the four is my people decisions, that's where we begin. We look at the people systems that you've put in place, your job scorecards how do you hire people, your talent assessment systems, your hiring process, your coaching and development tools and plans, and then your face chart, which is really about, do I have the right person in the right seat on my bus doing the right thing? And when we get those people decisions uh, worked out and improved, we're then finding there's another side that may need help. Maybe that's strategy. I'm not growing at the rate I want. And we'll go into that next. And over time, we will start to make these improvements so that we don't disrupt your business, but we smooth your business growth. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm very sensitive to. Senior teams have worked hard to build the companies they want. You're busy every day. So we need to do this in a way that doesn't disrupt but enhances what you're doing. That's mm-hmm. why it's progressive and it occurs over time.
0: That makes sense. It really is the who, not how, right? It is, it is the people people's make the uh the critical factor there wanted to throw a question at you because i and i don't i don't know this is not a softball uh scaling up um traction any other system how, do you get that question a lot comparing the the, the scaling up with the traction the eos that kind of thing and how, how are you able to is there a is it just pick your favorite are there particular aspects one has over the other and obviously you're a scaling up coach so we understand that i'm just i'm curious what your take is on those two
1: So I think any entrepreneur that wants to grow their company should always be considering whatever methods are going to allow them to do that. I've read all the other books on traction and EOS. Some of their points are really relevant. And they do a nice job. But what I found when I made my ultimate choice picking a growth framework is I thought scaling up was more comprehensive for a company that was starting small, but wanted to grow to bigger levels. I thought the areas of strategy formation and cash were essential for me because growth sucks cash. And I needed a little bit more sophisticated framework to deal with that. I got that in more in scaling up. Uh, and out of the choices around me, scaling up I would describe as probably the most comprehensive. And scaling up is an open architecture system. So imagine Microsoft versus Apple. Apple, you only can stay in the Apple network. Microsoft brings in best of breed for a lot of different apps and add-ins. In Vern's integration of the 40 and growing thought leaders in all aspects of our business to strengthen the scaling up framework makes it most relevant in current. And I believe best in breed.
0: Yeah. It sounds like there's an Apple Android comparison going on here. (laughs) You got to, you got to pick, pick your phone, pick your phone. I know we have diehards uh, probably from on either side that would have their direction. Uh, What, what, are there some trends coming around? What excites you about the future right now? What are some of the things we should keep our eyes open for?
1: Hmm. So for me, uh, just in the like for me personally, I want to help other leaders that were struggling the way I was. I know how frustrated I was. And our senior team were very smart and hardworking people. But what frustrated me was there's got to be a better way. Yeah. And, you know, the definition of insanity
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Same thing and expect a different outcome. Absolutely. Well, that trend scared me because many owners like me were working hard, were smart, but not breaking through 1 million to 5 million, 5 million to 10, 10 to 20. And sometimes it's not only about revenue. You know, it's really harder to scale number of people.
0: A hundred percent. I agree with that.
1: So scaling 25 to 50 people, and then 50 to 100, you hit 100 employees, you may not know everybody's name anymore. Yeah. You may not know the name of their wife and their kids and their favorite yeah. beer. I, like I missed that when I was 50 employees, I knew all that. But now I'm navigating the complexity of the people in the relationships and keeping your culture intact. Yeah, So that trend, I think I'm bringing it up, Casey, because you mentioned trend. And I think with COVID, the the trend of the remote workforce, virtual, the gig economy where people are more consulting or 1099ing versus being permanent employees, how are you dealing with that? And are you prepared? And are you educating yourself on those best practices? And is your culture prepared to adapt? deal with it. Because if you don't, the market will do it, do it for you and your mm-hmm. people will walk and find a place that will. And that's 100%. something that we're very intentional as we're working through the people and strategy side of culture, values, and purpose.
0: Let's dive in. I have a question related to that. Um, knowing everyone in the company, uh, at what point... I mean, I, I used to interview everyone. At what point does a CEO not interview everyone in your opinion or officially? either way.
1: So I'm I th- I'm just going to segment it this way. When your senior team working with you is more than capable and accountable and has a developed hiring process that you all buy into, they're more than welcome to do their own hiring. But what I never abdicated is that I wanted to meet everybody on their onboarding because I thought being the gatekeeper of the culture, welcoming people to our company as a new team member, one of the most important assets we have in the entire company, and on our ballot or in the in the company itself, is our people. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to know the founder story. We wanted them to know our BHAG, where we were going down the road ten years. That was exciting, compelling. And I wanted to know the core value behaviors of the way we treat and act with each other. I don't want to delegate that as long as I can.
0: Interesting. So they, as long as they're capable and accountable to hiring culture and the right person, right seat, then by all means hire someone but you want to be always a part of the onboarding process. So instead of being the, the gatekeeper before the hire, you're you're sort of welcoming them to the kingdom, but you are always a part of that so you can at least meet them at least once.
1: I want to, I definitely want to meet them in the beginning. And then I want to find my moments of where the CEO role fits in as the chief communicator, the chief culture officer in working with them, the monthly town halls, the quarterly updates, whatever our recognition celebration programs are, holiday celebrations, key communication, company updates, leaders lead from the front, and you have to be the voice in the vision for your company. But I do think talent leaders working with you and underneath you, can absolutely create a great hiring system, can absolutely interview people if trained well. And quite frankly, we would hire different technology staff. I wouldn't know if somebody had Azure or a different type of technology. (laughs)
0: So
1: I'd be the worst person to interview
0: them. Right. But even as like a cultural, I I guess at some point you have to let go of the vine, but being a cultural defender, the last person to talk to before hiring the new person. Does does that take away from your leadership team? Are you are you second guessing them or are you holding strong? I did you used to meet? I mean, at the very beginning, I'm sure you met everyone because every hire is critical. I did. At what point did you transition to where your VP of product or ops was the one who was the final? They were the final call? Was yeah. it when it got untenable to the hundreds?
1: I, I think it's situational, Casey. Okay. For me, it was about 100 people. Okay. But I think if you hire senior leaders who have really good track records in hiring and leading and developing people, you can do it so much sooner.
0: True. <laughs> that you, is true. That is true. Yeah.
1: But if you bring people up from within and you're cultivating them early and young, and you may need to hold on a little bit longer. Great point. And That's I trust I the CEO will know when to hold on and when to let go.
0: Except we don't always know, so <laughs> I'm glad you were able to sort that out for us. Because sometimes our leaders are like, "Why do you need to be involved?" And you meet someone, you're like, "God, how did you get in the door?" So yeah, but I, I like the fact that it really is the the who of that is that leader someone you're cultivating, or is it some, or is there, or is it a hot shot that probably knows more than you do off the street? And if they've bought into your culture, you're on the same page, then you can you can give them that flexibility. This, this is this has been fantastic. I would love to shift a little bit and understand more about you. Take me back in time, little little herb days. Did you always know you're going to be a leader, an entrepreneur, a coach? what did you want to be when you're growing up?
1: You know, I knew I wanted to be in business. Really? Yeah. My father was an entrepreneur. We began our first company in 1966. And growing up around the dinner table, my father would always talk about what happened during the day. And he was yeah. always very positive. Like he'd look at the news newspaper and say to us, where's the opportunity in the newspaper? For example, if there was a drought, not that there was not that a drought was good, it was bad, but how can we help? Where can we bring water? What do they need? And how can we be of service? The same way you talk to your customers as an entrepreneur and say, what do you need? What do you value? And how do I deliver it? So it was always the glass was half full, and he was very good at protecting us, him and my mother- from the negative aspects of business, although they're real, but we didn't get jaded at an early age, I guess is my point. We remained open-minded, curious, and optimistic. And I think if you're going to be in a business for any long period of time and scale, you need to remain optimistic and curious in order to navigate. And there's a great quote by George Brenneman, and I'm not sure if he got this from somebody, but he said, leaders have the ability to absorb fear and exude hope for their team and Mm. i really really believe that so when you go into your office and, and everything what? hits hits the fan. Yeah. Are you absorbing fear or bringing it?
0: Yes. Are you exuding
1: hope or killing it? And we have a choice. And people take, how do I say this? They they take, they react to these things as a leader. And as a young man, I was very fortunate to have a mentor that helped me see it maybe differently. So we began at a young age. We started working. We we're in the staffing industry. We never had an excuse not to have a job. And I started doing day labor. Labor, working in the manufacturing facility, then working in the uh, back room in our accounting department doing payroll and billing. Always had a job and always appreciated the value of earning my own money and what that meant and what it meant to the people next to me who could feel good about a good day's pay and contributing meaningful work. I then graduated high school um, graduated college, and I knew immediately when I graduated school that I wanted to be in the business world. Never looked back, went into the business, learned, made mistakes, learned more, And then I, in 1993, opened my own business from scratch and learned how to do it from the beginning. And that was really exciting. And you know, when you're in a family business, you always wonder, could I do it on my own? And that was a really great time in my life. I was only 28 years old.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, And ended up using Scaling Up Frameworks. And it was a really fun ride. So that's the short story. During the ride, what I'm very proud of is that when you work with a group of people and you can get recognized as the best places to work over and over, it means you're doing some things right. Absolutely. We were also an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company year over year over year. And what that taught me was we could do well financially and do good by the people that work with us that that was possible. And I didn't always see it that way when I was younger. So I had a coach later in my career, wonderful gentleman, and Bill passed away about three years ago, young age of 77, And what I took from that is that as we exited our companies, could that be an opportunity for me in the next phase of my career to do for others what Bill and my father helped do for me? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately getting to meet Vern, going through the frameworks, 15 years as a CEO practitioner, and then ultimately using all that experience over 32 years now as a coach and advisor to CEOs and leadership teams. It was like the dream job. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it when I was in high school, but I grew into it and I wouldn't do anything else. I truly found my spot and what I was meant to do. And if I can help others find theirs, what a gift.
0: There's something about coaches. And I I feel like the entrepreneurs and the the leaders that have them do the best. And and not even one. I mean, at some point I've had like three, I've had a a business, you know, the CEO coach, I've had a tri coach and I've had a, you know, another, you know, fitness or nutrition or what, like, what is it about coaches that is the, is such a smart move for, for leaders?
1: Um, you know, the one thing about having a coach is you have to internally be aware that you don't know it all. Mm-hmm. And by accepting to have a coach, what you're saying is you're open to learning more You're open to learning differently. And if you look at every one of the pro athletes that are out there, they all have coaches because they're trying to operate at the top of their game, like most leadership teams are in a competitive industry. And most people know you can't get to the top of any industry on your own, it's the what you don't know. So, one of the things you seek out in a coach and a mentor is people who have been there, done that, because they accelerate your development. If you think about it and they minimize your roadblocks. And isn't that what it's all about? Whether it's a triathlete coach or a nutritionist or piano or whatever your hobby is. And some people just get it and they go towards it. And some, it just takes a little bit longer, but they'll come around. And if you're a parent, (laughs) aren't you the ultimate coach to your kids?
0: God, what a responsibility, too, huh? Fun,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes, most of the time, it's fun. Sometimes. So hopefully, you can
0: ask your parents and you can daisy chain the the questions because nobody really knows anything, or the, it doesn't really feel like it sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a great point around acknowledging that you don't know everything, and it, it ties into that you know that old phrase of not being the smartest person in the room, you know, and. And if you are, it's a problem, you're in, uh, trouble. But you're, in tr- you're in big trouble <laughs> yeah. and you're probably really busy and you're doing everyone's job for them. Uh, but instead uh, fill the room with people that are smarter than you. And and it sounds like having a coach is one way of acknowledging that is like, you know, I, I really don't know. and buy what I, I, I want to know. Um, Tell me what those blind spots are. And I I personally have found um, the benefit to having someone who has gone through that scaling up process, gone through and, and they're sitting at 100 or 200 or 400 employees. And they're like, I remember the day when I had 20 or I had 30 but they were, they, they remembered that right around 20 or right around 50, their shit got real or, you know, the changes occurred and and it wasn't business as usual. You had to make some changes and they were able to foreshadow for me, give me a little heads up that, by the way, when this happens, Um, You know, that's what you need to expect. And I also remember getting a lesson from them, just hearing them share a little bit about some of their challenges, which were absolute nightmares to what I thought were my challenges. And it's like, no, the problems don't go away. They just get bigger, but you get a little more experienced in handling them. But there's always, there's always more, but it's great hearing from that elder leader about about the future. That's
1: wonderful. So when we think of leaders that are really good for coaching, they're normally people that are continuous learners personally and from business growth. They're, they're just striving for growth. And they're looking for ways, whether it's triathletes or business, whatever their skill set is, they're never satisfied, but constantly evolving as individuals and entities. They normally have a growth appetite in their business. I see these people typically want to double every three to five years, which is 15 to 25% minimum growth rates. They care a lot about their people and they look at investments in people as important versus expense in people. They're open to change and importantly, they have a bias to take action. And being open to change, learning and having a bias to put it to work allows them to navigate and redirect quickly to get through that stage of growth because it's always changing. When you meet those type of people, you're typically one of the 70,000 other companies like us that have used it to grow our companies across the world. 70,000 other companies. It's amazing. And it's created such a network of family and friends for me over my journey as a CEO and now a coach. They've all become really good friends and they're really good people on the inside. And I really enjoy that part of what I do.
0: Absolutely. If, if I were to take you back a little bit of a hypothetical, if you, if you could time travel, I might actually have a, a time machine up here in Nashua. And if you come, come over sometime, we'll get some beers, use the time machine. You go back in time and you meet yourself a few days after graduating. Um, we'll say the, with the undergrad and you get to meet yourself back then and you get to talk to yourself. So it's not like back to the future where you can't meet yourself. You can meet yourself and you can talk to yourself and you can definitely change the future. You can tell yourself anything you want to tell yourself. What kind of recommendations or advice or encouragement would you give yourself?
1: Um, Very thoughtful, Casey. First thing is to be open and be curious because the more, when I was younger, I thought I knew twice as much. So being open to learn and, and learn from different personalities, different diversities, different backgrounds. I think the other important lesson that I would tell myself younger, look for those people that have already been where you want to be and get them as mentors, coaches and friends to help you get there sooner than you would struggling on your own. If you had asked me, would I have done anything differently if you asked me the question that way? Would I have liked to have scaled up 10 years earlier and forgone any of the pain I went through the hard way? Sure. Would you? But I wouldn't.
0: Right. Okay. Because
1: I wouldn't have gotten all the life lessons of experience in the pain that shaped me into who I am today by going through that experience and seeing what it's like to do it wrong and then feeling what it's like when you do it right. And I would have been robbed of that but I can help others people to make it smoother so they won't go through the pain as long as I had to, but it was a part of what made me who I am. And so that part I wouldn't change.
0: Yeah. So, so fitting, right? Those, those are some powerful lessons learned um, very valuable lessons learned that others can benefit. They're, they're going to have their bumps, but maybe you can help them avoid a few along the way if they're smart about it. Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here. Where can people Find out more about you. Where do you want them to connect with you? Websites, social sites, throw it out there.
1: So you can reach me on LinkedIn, Herb Cogliano, Aspire Growth Advisors, or email herb at advisors.com. And I'm going to send you, for your listeners, two PDF um, educational uh, content, if you'd like. One is four decisions you need to know to scale your organization. And the other one is the chapter from Scaling Up, describing the three barriers we talked about, leadership, leadership. Uh, Uh, scalable infrastructure in market dynamics, because I want you to read further about them so you'll know when you're facing them and more importantly, have an option to how to deal with them.
0: Wow, powerful. Everyone needs to just start doing their little clicker fingers and we will in our show notes, we will have it in all the URLs in there. So we just kind of boom, boom, boom hit those things and, and reach out, get this information. Good stuff, man. Thank What'd you. you
1: think? Casey, it's a pleasure. You bring such energy, big smile, positivity. I truly enjoyed it. And the work you're doing with EO, helping other thought leaders bring their voice to the market mm. only educates and makes us all better. So thank you for your mission and how you're helping the community in the business world, because we know we can't do it alone. We need help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's what a community is all about right we all help out help out a little bit and then just collectively it's it's amazing what can what we can all accomplish together absolutely amazing well this has been great man thank you yes thank you again for coming on here um absolutely a great time everyone i wish everyone go check out those resources connect with you um, you know, have a conversation. If they don't have a coach, you just heard one just now. So <laughs> start there. Uh, but if you don't have a coach, you need one desperately. You are behind. Go get one, get four. Um, that's my biggest advice. And thank you again to everyone out there listening. This has been a great conversation and we will catch you all next time.
1: All right. Thank you all and uh, have a great week. Take care.
0: Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.